Are you ready? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing today? It's always good when we're doing a show. The weather's nice in Cleveland. Again, we've talked about it before. You get all four seasons here in a week, but I can't complain. (laughs) I'm ready to do a show. It's not going to be a lot of information that's new because there's not a lot of things going on as far as upcoming fights for this weekend, but we got a lot of things that we can discuss nonetheless. But first, let's get to the particulars. You're listening to the Ultimate Fight Show. If you want to call in, it's 1657-383-1412. Brag, you want to tell the listeners where they can find us on social media and our show online? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on Facebook at the Ultimate Fight Show. You can follow Larry on Instagram at the Ultimate Fight Show. On Twitter, it's the Alt Fight Show. And of course, your home for all things Ultimate Fight Show blogtalkradio.com slash the ultimate fight show. Absolutely. All right, let's get into it. So we got a big fight coming up, a couple announcements for some other fights. Let's start with what happened last week, though. We covered it a little bit on the show before, but let's get into it a little bit further. The Manawa Anderson fight. We thought that Manawa would win that fight, and uh, in the end, he did that in the first round, and I believe we both had him winning in the first round against Corey Anderson. Brag, this thing, we didn't get, we didn't really get to see a lot. There was only six strikes. It was kind of like me hit you, you hit the floor, fight's over. What did you see in this fight, and what can we expect from Manawa moving forward? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we both uh, thought Manawa would take care of business early, and that is exactly what he did. It was, I mean, Corey Anderson's a good young fighter. Funny story about that. I had a buddy of mine that I work with here in South Carolina. I said, yeah, I used to play football with Corey Anderson. He's fighting this weekend, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, He's going to get knocked out early on. And (laughs) my buddy's like, oh, yeah, okay. That's that's I said, hey, he's a good fighter. Anything can happen, but both Elsie and I think it's going to be an early knockout. And, of course, Monday morning, going back into work, he just looked at me and shook his head, said, ah, my boy, my boy went down, you know. And that's – unfortunately, that's what happens in the fight game. Minowa is just on another level right now uh, than Anderson. Great performance, an impressive performance. And those are the type, uh, types of performance that are going to get him more high-profile fights, you know, not like on Fight Pass. You know, you're talking about – 
a Fox card or even a pay-per-view event coming up soon. He's a good young fighter, got a lot of talent, and it'll be interesting to see in the next week or so when we finally release the April edition of the Ultimate Fight Show rankings where he ends up. I think he's going to be moving up a little bit. Bragg, what kind of matchup would you like to see Manawa in next? Because to me, I think the perfect matchup for him would be a Ryan Bader. What do you think? I think Ryan Bader would be – It's a good, he's a good test. Uh, you know, of course, Bader, not a top-flight light heavyweight at this point. Uh, he's a step above gatekeeper, but he's a guy that if you can beat him, it gives you a little more credibility and gets you one step closer to uh, a top five, top ten, top five type opponent. And so I think Bader would be a, a, a nice fight for him. All right, other fights on – that uh, card, we had Brad Pickett in his final fight, a catchweight fight against Marlon Vera. This thing, we talked about it before. When fighters announce that they're ready to retire or they're thinking about doing other things, Ronda Rousey instantly comes to mind. But it's happened to other fighters before as well. When your heart's not in it, this is a hurt-me sport. This isn't you're not playing anything. You're in a fight. And Brad Pickett, although the guy's been a veteran of over 60 fights, you could just tell right off the bat that his heart wasn't wholeheartedly in it. And Marlon Vera's young was able to take him a little bit deeper than I think Pickett wanted it to. Maybe he didn't put the training in in the gym that he needed for his cardio. And he was caught late in otherwise what I thought was a pretty even fight. Bragg, what did you see? in your interpretation of this and you know, what's next for Vera, we know Pickett's going to retire or did retire. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed in the way that turned out because you and I both said, we talked about the whole one, one foot out the door mindset that a lot of these fighters specifically have. They announced their retirement. They're taking one more fight. We saw it happen to B hop just a few months ago, unfortunately. We both thought Brad Pickett was going to get through that and get over it. I believe he probably is the overall better fighter. Uh, the catch weight may have affected him. I, I don't know. But uh, regardless, it was a pretty good fight up to that point. Pickett got caught. It happens. Uh, got nothing to be ashamed of, though. Marlon Vera, as we mentioned, good young talent. He's going to be moving up to bigger and better things. Brad Pickett is... Again, got nothing to be ashamed of, got caught. Congratulations to him on a pretty good career. And I look forward to seeing, not sure if he's going to get into some broadcasting in the future, not sure what his future holds, coaching. But uh, Brad Pinkett's one of the good guys in the sport of MMA, and I wish him all the best. Absolutely. Gunnar Nelson, Alan Jovan, second round. We both thought this fight went in by knockout. Instead, it ends by guillotine choke. But both guys were doing good work. The clean fight. What did you see? What's next for Nelson? Uh, exactly what you said. We we thought it would be a knockout win for Gunnar Nelson. Uh, he his submission game has always been. I don't want to say suspect, but it's always been behind his striking. Uh, if he's developing a submission game and he really looked good uh, getting that guillotine in, who knows? That ultimate division. It's it's there's some. Um, there's some potential in that welterweight division for him to move up 
and with a couple of wins, get into the title picture. And if he's adding a jiu-jitsu game to that already established boxing game he has, uh, Gunnar Nelson could be dangerous. Yeah. All right. There's a couple things, couple things in the news as far as fights being signed. Shale Sun and Vandalay Silva. We knew it was going to happen. It's now official, <laughs> but apparently it's going to be on pay-per-view. And I believe, Bragg, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they trying to package that fight with the Fedor-Mitrioni fight that was going to be, that was scheduled, and then eventually, because of Kidney Stones, Mitrione pulled out? What have you heard? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those are going to be the top two build fights on that card, Mitrione and Fedor and Chael Sonnen and Vandalia Silva. Finally, after all these years, going to get it on uh, based on their feud from the Ultimate Fighters Brazil several years back. Bellator 180, it will be a pay-per-view, and it's, I believe it's going to be also in New York City. I'm not, if, if I'm not mistaken, the date is June 24th. The venue is Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'm reading it here. So that's huge for Bellator. And whether or not these fight fighters are past their prime, whether or not the, uh, you know, Chelson and Vitor, or, and Vanderlei Silva, rather, it, it's going to be an interesting show. And it's really going to be an opportunity for Bellator to uh, put their footprint on New York City and MMA as a whole. We've talked about how the USC's business practices of late last year or so have been a little suspect. Uh, I know I've said it in the past. I would really love for a, a company such as Bellator to really step up their game. And they've got a lot of they've got a lot going on. They've got a lot of good fighters on their roster. And I'm pulling up the scheduled fight card right now. Uh, give me just a second. Let's see, because I believe there are going to be a couple of title matches on that fight, too. You've got Lorenz Larkin versus Douglas Lima, uh, James Gallagher and Chinzo Machida, and Michael versus Brent Primus. That's going to be a good fight. So they're going to build this card up, give everybody a chance to shine on pay-per-view June 24. Yeah, that's funny that you just said that because Scott Coker – the uh, president of Bellator just sent me a tweet or sent it to our show saying that Madison Square Garden, June 24th, uh, Ticketmaster, everything's going on sale now. So coincidental, we're going to try to get him on the show pretty soon. I just got some of those Bellator um, contacts from our old friend at Ultimate Sports Talk. Why can't I remember his name? Greg Mitchell. Greg Mitchell. Greg Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, so I forgot that we had those uh, <laughs> Bellator contacts, so we're going to try to get uh, – y- you know you know, I'm salivating at the prospect of getting Shale Sonnen on the show. It would just be fantastic. Oh, he's, my wife, he's definitely my wife a for – But uh, <laughs> it would be fantastic. Yeah, he's definitely a MacGuffin for our show. I would love – to have him on, that would be, that would really be a, a benchmark for the Ultimate Fight Show. Yeah, let's talk about a little. Just because there's no big fights 
this week, and we got one that we're going to preview after the boxing segment, but just looking a little bit ahead to UFC 210 next weekend, uh, the rematch between Cormier and Johnson. Greg, this is a stacked card. I'm looking at it now top to bottom, and Gegard Mousasi against Weidman, huge title implications at middleweight. You got a women's straw for strawweight fight between Pearl Gonzalez and Cynthia Cavallio, Patrick Cote and Thiago Alves. Somehow he's been able to get weight back down to welterweight. Remember a few years ago when he was struggling <laughs> and now somehow he's figured it out as he's gotten older. This is going to be interesting. We got uh, Charles Oliveira, Will Brooks, great fight. Miles Jury. It's going to be, this is a really stacked card. Brag, what fight, because we don't want to give everything away that we're going to do next week, but on this whole card, all those fights I just named, if you had to pick one that you're really interested in and give me one that you think is going to be the fight of the night. I'm really outside of the main event, and I'll just kind of put that to the side. I'm really interested in seeing how Chris Weidman Weidman, uh, rebounds from his knockout from uh, Yoel Romero. Uh, Gegard Mastasi is a – Good, good, really good fighter. Uh, I'm interested to see that fight. I think that's going to be very important for the middleweight division, first of all. I think the winner of that puts themselves in line for a potential title shot or at least a title eliminator fight in the very, very near future. Uh, Will Brooks and Charles Oliveira. Will Brooks is a guy who came over for Bellator not too long ago. Uh, He's got a lot, a lot of potential. I think that probably is going to be your sleeper fight of the night. I believe that will probably open up the show on pay-per-view, so it's going to uh, do its job and get the crowd hyped, get the uh, pay-per-view viewer hyped, and I think that could be your uh, sleeper fight of the night. Yeah, Musasi Weidman's going to tell us a lot about where Weidman's at with his chin, devastating knockouts back-to-back from Rockhold and Romero. Musasi's one of those guys – best friends with Fedor Emelianenko, trained with him for years, Is was the world light heavyweight Sambo champion, Fedor being the heavyweight champion of the world in Sambo. This is going to be, I think Musasi's finally made the adjustment, Brett. We talked about this a few years ago on our, sh- our show when we were first starting out, about the adjustment fighters make who don't originate in the UFC. The octagon is bigger the rounds are longer because of the lengths of the fights, because it, in Pride it was one 10-minute and a 5-minute UFC. You could be in a 25-minute title fight. A lot of fighters, the only fighter that really had success making that transition was Rampage Jackson. And even in his first fight, he got a unanimous decision against a fighter he was supposed to knock out. So I think the point I'm getting, to make a short story long, I think Gegard Mousasi is finally coming to his own in the octagon. And I know I don't like to give my pick away, and you know I'm big on, on Weedman, but I, I think Gegard Mousasi is going to pull the upset, if you can call it that. I, I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And, again, Rumble, the dude's got knockout power in both hands. Cormier neutralized him with his Olympic wrestling. It's going to be interesting to see what adjustments – Johnson's made in the last year and a half, two years. 
Yeah, and let me just throw something else out at you about uh, Gegard Mousasi. He fought four times last year. Uh, his first fight in February was a unanimous decision victory over Talos Latos, who's always who always brings it as a tough tough out. Uh, then three consecutive knockouts: Tiago Santos, Vitor Belfort, and Uriah Hall to round out the year. He is on quite a roll right now, and I agree with you. I not not to go too much into this today because we'll discuss it next week, but. Musasi is on a roll, and I think Weidman is really going to have his hands full next uh, next Saturday night. Absolutely, and, and again, you touched on the Uriah Hall by knockout that avenged a previous upset to Uriah Hall. So Musasi's yeah. confidence is, I think, sky high, and yeah, we'll get more into it next week. But uh, let's talk a little. Just before we get into a little sweet science here on the Ultimate Fight Show, there was some other news. Bisbing and GSP are going to meet for the middleweight title. We all know that. But apparently, Bisbing is now putting a time frame on this. Bragg, have you heard anything about this? I, I, I saw the headline, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read the article. Uh, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all because it's one of those things where – you're really holding up the belt. You're holding up Bisping's career at this point, and he doesn't want to wait around too much longer either. I think he's going to get ready. Uh, he's already talked about retiring after a fight or two, another fight or two as well. So I, I don't blame him one bit. If the if USC wants to do this, he's the champ. He should uh, use his pull a little bit and make it happen. And again, to what the Bragman's alluding to for the fans is that uh, Bisping basically said if – him and GSP don't fight by July that he's going to fight Yoel Romero who was and had earned the shot to fight Bisbing which again he's the champ for as long as he has until his next fight that's how I feel so if he wants to hang, <laughs> hang on to it and milk it go for it buddy all right let's get into some sweet science here at the ultimate fight show segment here at the Ultimate Fight Show. Not a whole lot to talk about as far as matchups this week. We're not going to pick any fights, but there is a lot of news and a lot of things to talk about from last weekend. First, let's start, Brad, with the news coming out of New York City. It's big. Madison Square Garden is now the new Horace Crawford's next fight. He will, for the first time, move from Omaha, Nebraska, and he will be fighting Felix Diaz, who's been calling him out, 19-1 Cuban champion. This is going to be a great fight, Bragg, and it's going to go down very soon. The target date, I believe, is June. I, I think it's June 24th, but I uh, – no, May 20th. May 20th, May 20th yes. So, yeah, going to be huge. What are your thoughts on this? You know that – how I feel about Crawford. I think he's going to be the next Floyd Mayweather as far as I think that this guy's the future of boxing. 
You know, those are some big words coming from you, my friend. And uh, Felix Diaz, like you said, he has been calling him out. He's asked for this fight for a while now. Terrence Crawford moving out of his safe space, moving out of the comfort zone and going <laughs> right to the – I mean, he's going straight to the top of Madison Square Garden. Doesn't get any bigger or better than that. So May 20th is going to be a hell of a fight. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but – the end goal is probably for some round robin of sorts between Terrence Crawford, Mikey Garcia, and Vasali Lomachenko in the next two to three years. Those are the big names that you're going to be hearing. And remember that you heard them here first on the Ultimate Fight Show. All right, Bragg, let's get to what happened last weekend. Triple G and Daniel Jacobs. But first, let's talk about the the real upset. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, arguably the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. We at the Ultimate Fight Show have him ranked number two behind, behind Andre Ward. But you could basically interchange those two names, and everyone would be okay with it. He's he been number one on our book. He's been number one in our books the last year until Andre Warbeck beat uh, Sergey Kovalov. So, uh, you know, yeah, like you said. Because, yeah, because Gonzalez didn't have that summit meeting like Ward did in the fight of the year against Sergey Kovalov. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, again, Roman Gonzalez taking on – I'm only going to say it once. <laughs> Wizzichio <laughs> wags it. Okay. Wags it. So, this was a tough fight. Chocolatito, I thought, in his last fight against uh, Karada, or, um, I mean, could, his Kuderis. last fight was against Kudo, right? Kuderis. Kuderis, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was saying that wrong. Against Kuderis, his last fight, moving up in weight, he looked a little sluggish, like Kuderis' power three pounds up, even though it doesn't seem like a lot, it was having effect for the kind of style that Chocolatito likes to fight. I mean, they call him the little drama show for a reason because he brings it. Unlike Floyd Mayweather with Roman's 46 wins, he's also got 43 knockouts. So he likes to, to take care of business. You knew that this was going to be a tougher fight, a fight that was going to be back and forth. What we didn't know, Bragg, was that Wags it was going to drop Chocolatito multiple times, bust him up. It was a cl- this was a very close fight, and I can't wait to watch the replay on HBO. But when you're watching live, I watched it on the internet, and it was it was tough. These rounds were close. Chocolatito wasn't fighting in his hometown. He's fighting in in Wags its backyard, and in the end. The, the streak came to an end at 46-0 and 0 as Wagsit becomes the new champion with a split decision, one-point victory that many people thought could have gone either way. I personally, Bragg, had it 114-113 for Chocolatito, but I was okay with a draw. I guess I'm okay with Wagsit winning as well. What are your thoughts? How did you score the fight? I, I agree with you. I, I thought it was 114, 112, uh, Gonzalez. Uh, w- when I heard the scores, 113, and then 114, 12, 114, 12, I, I, knew, I knew I'd hit it on the head. 
I thought Gonzalez had squeaked by with a decision. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, and looking back at some of the media, a lot of the media scores, they had it very similar to us. I've seen it as wide as as wide as one sixteen one ten for uh, Chocolito. I think that might be a little wide, but I thought one. I, I, I agree with you. I I can't argue a uh, draw here. Uh, I don't think Gonzalez lost the fight, although I'm not necessarily mad about that either. Uh, but it was just – it was a great fight. It had a little bit of everything you could ask for in a fight of that magnitude. Uh, almost stole the show from the main event. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, just a, a hell of a fight, and I have a feeling we may be seeing these two hook it up sooner rather than later. Again. <laughs> yeah. It, again, it's so tough when you leave it in the hands of the judges because – then it's open to opinion. And we've talked about it before. Judges, and you know, you know this from being a judge in South Carolina, Georgia, and I know this from being a judge out here in Cleveland and just from having been an amateur fighter beforehand. The judges sit on opposite corners of the ring in a boxing match. So you have your announcer's table at one of the four corners or I'm saying corners for sections of the ring. So if it's imagine it in a square, so you have the, the yeah. announcers in one and then each judge is on in one of the other three corners. So when you're from that perspective and you're not looking down from above, the fight seems different from different angles. This is how you can have, you know, a 113-113, a 114-112 a 116-111 because you have a third man in the ring who could be blocking views. You could not be, you might not be seeing the inside work that a fighter's doing that maybe another judge in the other corner is seeing. So I can see it a little bit. And we've talked about terrible judges and getting scorecards horribly wrong. And we've always called for their dismissal. Um, but at the same time, this wasn't it. As you said, it was a close fight with knockdowns, with cuts, at a bigger weight. It was a perfect recipe for Chocolatito to not only challenge himself, but to get upset. And that's what happened. Now, whether, again, it's the same way with the Ward and Kovalov people. If you were for Ward, you thought he won by a point. If you were for Kovalov, you thought he won by a point. They're going to do it again. I suspect that Chocolatito will win and learn from his mistakes, but maybe Wags at Bragg is the same to Chocolatito as Vernon Forrest was to Mosley or Mosley was to De La Hoya. Certain fighters can't handle certain styles. Frazier Ali. So maybe Wagsit has the right style. What do you think about that? And let me lead you with another question just so, because I want you to comment on this. Because I alluded to Chocolatito being 46-0 and and now 46-1. and Doesn't this put into perspective even more how great Floyd Mayweather's 49-0 and is? It, looking at the numbers, just looking at the numbers, yeah, it, it really is impressive. It's it's like when you think about 
So uh, DiMaggio's hitting streak of 56 games. And Pete Rose, second on that list, 44 games. Yeah. Uh, and it just goes to show you, any little mistake can be made at any time, especially in a fight, ring or in the cage, fighting each other. Anything can happen. One single shot could change the complexity of a career, not just a fight, but of a career. Those are the those are the odds you're playing with when you are a fighter and you are in the ring. Chocolate in the world. He you know he took the fight. He's not uh, shot away from anything. Like you said, we'll probably see rematch there. We'll probably have him uh, make those adjustments. I can't see him not puts it into perspective. Uh, gives you a new perspective when you really look at it that way of how great Floyd Mayweather's record is, you know, whether he fought the stiffest of competitions all the time. That's an argument that can be made and has been made. I still don't, again, I said it doesn't matter who you're fighting, want to change everything. So, uh, Chocolatito will probably be favored in the rematch. We'll probably pick him to win the rematch, but <laughs> You never know because, like you said, certain guys just have certain people's numbers. Whether it's a fighter, some pitchers have hitters' numbers, some hitters have pitchers' numbers, uh, some coaches have other teams' numbers. In every aspect of life, in every sport, you've got those certain opponents who just have it over somebody else who may be a little bit better than them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'll be uh, looking forward to, like I said, I'll be looking forward to the rematch, and I honestly think that you may get an announcement again sooner rather than later about these guys hooking it up again maybe in the summer. Yeah, and, and, not, to mention, and not to mention, now that that fight was so great, think about how easy that fight is going to be to sell. Oh, absolutely. And not the one thing that I do know for a fact is that Vegas – will adjust the odds accordingly. At the time of the fight, Waggett was a 15-to-1 underdog, and he was at one point during the week a 20-to-1 underdog. So if you bet on Waggett to upset Chocolatito, you made some serious money on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think either of us officially. No, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to – I mean – Again, it's just a, it's a fight. Anything can happen, but you know we like to Vegas likes to gauge it, and you know basically no one knew anything about Waggett and Styles make fights, and this guy fights in a foreign country. He doesn't venture many many times to the United States. So I mean, I personally you know watch more fights than probably the average human being that's not being paid to do it, and. Uh, I've never seen that guy fight before. So, you know, styles make fights. Anyways, speaking of the main event, the big drama show, Gennady Gennadonovich Glavakin, also known as Triple G, taking on Daniel Jacobs. They were unifying all the middleweight titles that aren't the real one that Canelo has. We talked about that, the alphabet soups. But nonetheless, nonetheless, 
Daniel Jacobs signed the paper and wanted to take the Triple G test. And boy, was he ready for that test. But let's be honest, early on, if you watch the fight, I thought the fight was pretty even through the first three rounds. In the fourth round, Triple G was finally able to get Jacobs to the body and was able to drop him. I thought that that was probably going to be the end, maybe a round later. I think our predictions on the show were I had Triple G in the seventh and you had him in the ninth. But somehow, Daniel Jacobs, being the fighter that he is, we previewed it on the show, his battle from cancer coming back. They told him he couldn't walk, let alone box. He became a world champion. Always come back, and, and he did. He made the right adjustments in the corner. And it seemed to me, Bragg, and you can comment on this when, you know, I'm finished, but it seemed to me like Triple G was kind of fading a little bit in those middle rounds, thinking that maybe he had Jacobs in the fourth or fifth and that it was going to end there. Jacobs was able to make those adjustments. I had Jacobs winning rounds six, seven, eight, and nine from Triple G. And then I thought Triple G made a couple adjustments of his own, listening to his corner. And uh, it was a close fight. In the end, the judges awarded Triple G the close decision, 115-112. Two judges had it, and one judge had it, 114-113. The crowd seemed to think that Jacobs won. Let me be clear, because I was watching the English broadcast online, because I did not think that this was a pay-per-view-worthy fight, and we'll get into that afterwards. But the English broadcast team made it seem like Jacobs won the fight. And in fact, their equivalent to Howard Letterman had it 114-113 for Jacobs. I'm curious to see how Letterman and the HBO team scored it. We'll see that this Saturday night when they show the replay. But on my scorecard at home, I thought Triple G, I agreed with the other two judges. I had it 115-112 for Triple G, giving him the last two rounds of the fight. Bragg, first of all, because you don't need to comment, I, I, I think I was pretty clear on, you know, breaking down <laughs> what happened. What I want you to tell the fans is, what did Jacobs do that gave Triple G problems? And what do you think about Triple G and Canelo now moving forward? Because as you know, I've always thought that Canelo has the right style to beat Triple G. I think the easiest thing Daniel Jacobs did was survive early. Uh, uh, Triple G hasn't gone to a decision, of course. Um, nine years. It was, in nine years. Yeah, I was trying to think of the number, but and he has been consistently getting guys out of there pretty early. Now, we both said we thought Jacobs would hang in there, give him a tough, close fight, first half of the fight, and Triple G would take care of business in the, like you said, seventh round. I said the ninth round. I think the key was Jacobs survived early, and he kept coming. He kept coming. He put pressure on Triple G. And it, was, it took a little bit of an adjustment, like you said, I agree. I thought Jacobs really made a move 
in those middle rounds, you know, from the sixth round to about the eighth round, ninth round, um, even maybe into the tenth round, Jacobs really showed up and did what he had to do. The fight itself was very close. I had Triple G winning at 114. I think 114-113. I think it's the way I ended up with my tally. It was very, Mm -hmm. very close. It was very, very close. A lot of the media scores, which is is complete opposite from what it was in the earlier fight, a lot of the media scores had it. 114-113 for Jacobs, including USA Today. I think Bad Left Hook had it um, there as well. It was such a it was a close fight, and again, Daniel Jacobs surviving cancer. He has maybe one of the best stories in sports. I mean, this is what movie scripts are written for. This was Rocky. I mean, really, if you think about it, this could have been Rocky one for a new generation. If they you'd have wrote the script on Daniel Jacobs and put it on film, we'd probably look at it and say that's ah, too far fetched. Too much of a fantasy. It's not going to happen. And it happened. And it just, you know, Daniel Jacobs, of course, the story he has, the way he fought and survived and took Triple G to the limit the way he did, I, I, he's probably going to be, moving forward, going to be one of the most popular fighters uh, in the world, or at least in the United States. And all the credit, I think, just just a fantastic performance. Fantastic night of fights capped off uh, what could be uh, looked upon as one of the instant classic fights, much like the Chocolito fight uh, earlier in the night. Just a great night of fights, a great fight to cap it off, and just a fantastic story. Yes, and again, Daniel Jacobs' class act, number one, and number two, Triple G is one of those guys that – I will say he wants to bring the big drama show. He wants to give the fans what they want. So if the Canelo fight can't be made in September, and we're going to talk about that right now, Oscar De La Hoya (laughs) has now been saying the pay-per-view numbers did come in from the Daniel Jacobs uh, Triple G fight, and they were terrible. We're talking about like a hundred and – I've heard – I've heard as low as 120,000, and I, the highest I heard was 180. And if you know De La Hoya with his cash cow Canelo and the Mexican fan base, not to mention his fight-friendly style and him having fought Mayweather, Canelo's been a part of two pay-per-views that have done over a million buys. So they're now pretty set in stone that Canelo's the A-side He has the lineal title. He has the numbers. So if Canelo and him are going to happen, which the date that they targeted was September 13th, if if this fight is going to happen this year, Triple G is going to have to be the B-side, much the same way that Manny Pacquiao was to Mayweather, although I don't think Triple G will get as good of a deal as Pacquiao got. What are your thoughts on that? I think here's I think a key point to look at. Look at the pay-per-view numbers. You mentioned it. We talked about it when we were previewing it. It's first time go, uh, Triple G's been on pay-per-view. It wasn't really a big sell or it wasn't really a big time, uh, big marketed fight. I guess you could say. I think the key 
that Delahoya crew need to look at is the rankings. What are the ratings going to be for the HBO viewing? Because for one, that's where Triple G's fights have always been is on HBO. Two now, you've got word of mouth. You've got uh, the story of Daniel Jacobs out there even further. The fight, how close it was, how great it was. Not to mention the controversy and the excitement and the great fight that was uh, Chocolito, the Chocolito fight. So I think a point that they can look at is what the ratings are going to be for the HBO replay coming up. Because that, I think, may be more telling than the initial pay-per-view buys in and of itself. Canelo yeah, that's actually, a, that's, that's actually a really good point, though, that you made because, again, Triple G's always fought on that network on HBO. It wasn't advertised a ton. Kind of like the Andre Ward-Kovalov fight because Ward, that was his first pay-per-view. He always fought on HBO. Same with Kovalov. But they did 300, 350,000. So... I think that if Triple G would have done that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I just can't well, see look- Oscar. And I just can't see them giving Triple G more than more than fifteen, twenty million for that fight. Which is nothing to sneeze at at all. But you also look at it like this too: Saturday night, uh, March eighteenth. Say that was uh, not only St. Patrick's Day weekend, which of course in Savannah is huge. But the NCAA tournament kicked off that weekend as well. So I honestly, that's just a, that was a bad weekend, in my opinion, for that fight to take place. So, you know, just surrounding it, just, it, it was pretty awful timing in my mind. So, I, like I said, let's look at the replay numbers, see how that does. Of course, Canelo is going to be the uh, top build fighter in that fight. Uh, he, he has track record of course, and it won't be hard to sell that fight and to put that fight at a position to where it's going to make some money and it's going to do some great buys. I, the the deal that Triple G is going to have to take for that fight, that that's the business side of it. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to get into that, but it, it's, regardless, it's going to be hyped like nothing else is outside of Mayweather and McGregor, possibly. So, because that's the biggest fight that can be made uh, right now. That can realistically be made right now. Let me just put it that way. So, uh, I don't have any worries about how the pay-per-view will go with he and Canelo. Um, again, let's, I'm interested to see what the replay numbers do. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I should <clears> – just to clarify a little bit more – I'm not worried about how the fight's going to do. What I was more thinking about was that De La Hoya and Canelo are going to use this as an excuse to put this fight off for possibly another year. Do you think that that could happen because of the pay-per-view? Or do you think that Canelo if he wins in May, we'll look at how Triple G performed and how Daniel Jacobs did and be like, you know what? I can do better. I can beat this guy. Let's do it now. 
Well, that that is a good point. Uh, he may look at it as say, you know, Triple G just went distance for the first time in nine years. You know, he he may be, you know, he may be right for the picking. I, that I don't know. I hope that's not the case. I I honestly hope that they can get this fight done and they look past the pay per view numbers because of that. I mean, anybody with any boxing aptitude knows how great Triple G is. Of course, they know what Canelo can do. Uh, it, it, it's a fight. It's a match made in heaven for boxing fans right now. And hopefully the boxing fans will make their voices heard if they want to see that fight and and let them know, be it social media, whatever the case may be. Uh, you may have to see a hashtag thrown out there a time or two. But, yeah, I, I think the fight's got to be made at this point. I, I don't think there's um, – I, there shouldn't be any excuses in my mind. Yeah, I'm going to say, though, if I had – I mean, obviously the, our, our fans know that we like to make picks, and that's one of the things we're known for is our 80% plus in boxing and MMA. But uh, I, if I'm laying odds, I would say I don't think this fight happens this year. Well, that's going right. to be rather disappointing. <laughs> yeah, moving on, Mayweather-McGregor uh, – more progress has been made now. Conor McGregor has paid his fine to the Las Vegas Athletic Commission that he owed from a UFC event from his incident with Diaz where he threw the chair and the water bottle. He said he wasn't going to pay the fine. He paid the fine because if he doesn't pay the fine, he's not going to get a boxing license from Las Vegas. And all indicators are pointing to that fight taking place in Las Vegas, if it does. I know that other outlets, ESPN, et cetera, has said that, that Mayweather's thinking about a fight in Russia or London or Ireland. Make no mistake, Floyd Mayweather is not going to do anything different to appease Conor McGregor. He's going to fight at the MGM Grand in September or in May, and it's going to be in Las Vegas. But basically, Conor McGregor, and Floyd Mayweather. We've we've been monitoring this since it first happened. I believe we started off at I was at about ten percent that it would happen. You were always fifty fifty. Then you went a little higher. I'm finally ready to say now that I'm fifty fifty. It will happen. I'm yeah, with I'm, you I'm right. there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at about uh, sixty five thirty five. It. I still feel like it's going to happen. I, I think at this point it's just it's grown too big for it not to happen because we you know the biggest comparisons probably Mayweather and Pacquiao but that was more of a boxing conversation uh, but Gregor has become a global star outside of even fighting you've got uh, fans who aren't big, necessarily fight fans they know who Floyd Mayweather is of course and they know who Conor McGregor is now so I think this fight is just too big not to happen. Yeah, and again, if you are just listening to the show for the first time, you've heard my opinion on this before. It's the biggest event that could happen in boxing. It's It would be the best news conference weigh-in of all time. You could charge pay-per-view money for it. But let me be clear to anyone who's listening. The second the bell rings, 
the fight is over. The interest for me is over. Conor McGregor has a zero percent chance of beating Floyd Mayweather. And I said it, and I'll say it one last time. If Conor McGregor was the most gifted natural boxer of all time, he still has a 0% chance to win. But it will be a hell of a hell of a, of a ride to watch. Brag, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. Um, 0% is pretty harsh, but uh, it's Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather will win a boxing match uh, 10 times out of 10, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a spectacle that we've never seen before. Uh, you're probably going to think Vince McMahon and the WWE is booking this or is is putting this on because it's going to be outlandish and outrageous. And like you said, the the press conference, the weigh-ins are going to be events in and of themselves, and spectacular events in and of themselves. So PhD uh, shit talking. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean. It, it, it's going to be the pinnacle. I mean, you you might as well just stop talking after this because it's not going to get really any better. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. If if and when it happens, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, up until bell time, and once the bell rings, I, I think we pretty much all know how it's going to go. <laughs> not yeah, any predictions just, away at this point. <laughs> no, but I mean, even even Vegas already has. Mayweather is a 12 to one favorite in a boxing match and make, and listen, I just want to say this for anybody who's an MMA fan and listens to our show and doesn't care about the boxing part in a real fight or in any other physical encounter outside of maybe basketball. Cause Floyd Mayweather is a pretty good basketball player, but Conor McGregor beats Floyd Mayweather in, in, in any real fight or in the octagon a hundred times out of a hundred, but this is a prize fight. And in the squared circle, there's nobody in the world better than Floyd Mayweather. And he's not going to be cocky or, I mean, he will be cocky, but make no mistake. He's going to be training. And like, this is like, he's fighting Pacquiao and there's just no way Connor's not going to hit him. And he's wearing gloves that are twice as heavy as he's used to. He's not going to knock Floyd out. He's not going to show him anything that he's ever not seen in a ring before. It's a joke once the bell rings. And that's why I'm still 50-50 that it's not going to happen. Because at the end of the day, it's a joke. It's a gimmick. We only got nine minutes left. We have a condensed show today. Normally it's two hours. But tonight we're only on for an hour. So let's get to our... MMA fight that we're going to be previewing and it's a rematch. It's Bellator 175 from Rosemont, Illinois. And of course we're talking about the rematch between King Mo and Rampage Jackson. Quentin is what his mama calls him. They're going to be fighting at heavyweight Rampage 6-1, 37-11, King Mo six foot twenty and six. They fought three years ago, and Rampage won a unanimous decision, two rounds to one over King Mo. A lot's changed since then. Both of them got heavier. They normally would have fought at light heavyweight, but again, because of their age 
And, you know, three years later, they're both going to be fighting at heavyweight. Bragg, how do you see this one going down Saturday night? Yeah, this is an interesting fight because it, I don't want to say it could go either way because that's really cliche, but I'm at a loss on this. It's almost a coin flip for me. I, I think while if he's able to take Rampage down and control him, I believe he could uh, grind out a decision victory here. Uh, if Rampage can keep it standing, I, I think he can get a couple of uh, licks in, and I think he can really do some damage and possibly put King Mo away. Because Rampage, believe it or not, has looked good. I mean, he's won five straight fights. And although they're not, these fights aren't the caliber of King Mo, they were decent light heavyweight uh, fighters. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I, again, I'm not sure why it's happening at this point. This is what was offering. It's going to be a free fight on Spike, so you can look forward to that. I'm more interested in Sergey Karatanov uh, in the co-main event, um, but nonetheless, we're talking about King Mo and Rampage. I say Rampage touches him in the second round and gets him down, grounds and pounds, and actually finishes the fight. And I say that coming from a King Mo fan. I, I, I love watching him fight. I think he cuts a great promo. I think he's talented fighter and he's been great but I just think I'm just feeling rampage in this fight I mean don't you get the feeling like King Mo and Rampage should both be in the WWE and you know you have you, you have your show brag out loud and you guys covered Wrestlemania which is I guess this weekend but don't you feel like these guys should have been already in that instead of still fighting for real (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd probably be a more competitive fight, a more interesting fight if they were wrestling at WrestleMania this weekend. Uh, Quick plug, brag out loud, Facebook.com. WrestleMania preview should be up tomorrow night. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it it really is. King Mo has dabbled in pro wrestling before. He wrestled in TNA. In fact, uh, a bit decent. I mean, he's not a superstar by any means there. But, yeah, I, I think it's a fight that, it, it, the two names, you're going to be able to sell a spike uh, pr- program with this fight. I, like I said, I, my gut is telling me Rampage Jackson wins this fight. It may not be the correct decision, but that's the way I'm headed. Yeah, I mean, again, back to how I'm seeing this fight. I just – he beat him before. I don't think either fighter's gotten better – but they say that power is the last thing to go, and we've seen that time and time again. I think, I think the first round's a feeling out process, and yeah, I agree with you. Somewhere in the second round, I think Rampage is going to catch him with an uppercut. Maybe King Mo's trying to shoot in and gets a little sloppy. I think he gets clipped. Rampage hammer punches him, and this thing ends. I don't. I don't even think it's going to be long into the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it ends in the first. So just for some, you know, variance on our picks, I'll say Rampage in the first round by knockout. And let's not forget, uh, in King Mo's last fight, which was 
in December. It was a New Year's Eve fight. It was the Rising World Grand Prix. He got knocked out by Mikar Kropop. Uh, so and there's a precedence there. Uh, so he his I don't know if it's that an indicator that his chin's going, but because of course we know what Mirko can do. But true, but King Mo also <laughs> got knocked out with that like flying back spin hand from uh who was that uh, the, the the heavyweight guy that Henderson took the title from then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm drawing a blank too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the guys the guys retired now. But my point is is that King Moe's got chandelier in his jaw. So I mean that thing's made of glass. So that again, this fight, two guys over the hill. Rampage was a real champion. King Mo was a that's a fake crown on his head. He's a king the way Dr. Dre's a doctor. Um, and I will, and I will say this: yeah, Rampage has not fought since June of last year. So, and he's only fought three times since. I'm sorry, twice since 2004. So, and I I will say this: Rampage got a gift decision in his last fight. I remember he was gassed, and somehow they gave him a decision. So it was kind of like the Anderson Silva decision that he just got against Brunson, but. Either way, we're all going to tune in. Brag, anything you want to say to the fans before we get out of here? Uh, no, nah, just uh, great catching up with you. Looking forward to previewing uh, UFC 210 uh, next week. And, of course, like I said, quick plug for Brag Out Loud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So WrestleMania preview should be up by the weekend. I've got two shows already up. Uh, Hook, hook me up. Let me know what you let me know what you think of the show. Absolutely, and uh, I will be coming on as a guest. Not sure when, but I'm looking forward to that. Brag out loud. Find it on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And again, tune in next Wednesday for our regular time, seven to nine, where we will preview the rematch between Anthony Johnson and interim light heavyweight champion. So, on behalf of the Bragman, I'm your host, LC, saying thanks for stopping by for another edition of the Ultimate Fight Show. Good night. Are you ready?